we're going to be making conversations about collaboration count. Partnerships is an awesome way of using trusted third parties where there's a clear match in values and congruence in what you do. Hello, you lovely listeners of the Making Conversations Count podcast. It's me, Wendy Harris, and I'm bringing you yet another business expert. What does collaboration mean to you? Well, my own personal experience is that it's a partnership. However, sometimes when you're asked to collaborate with people, it can feel very much like a one-way street. So you have this imagined expectation of receiving gifts from the heavens, yet you're the one that's doing all the hard work and seemingly somebody else is getting all of the praise and attention. So collaboration to me really ought to be about partnerships. And that's not the same as outsourcing, which is why the conversation with Dave Plunkett today is so refreshing because he is very clear that working with people is not always going to be a balanced playing field. You've got to be able to join forces to gain a new level in the game of growth. But ultimately, the one message that stands out to me from Dave is that when you are growing rather than it having growing pains, it puts the fun at the heart of your business. So let's get to meet Dave. Let's start at the beginning, shall we, Dave? We met through previous guest, Johnny Cooper. Your headline of collaboration junkie kind of just made me chuckle because collaboration, it's so underrated isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's become a bit of a buzzword. And I think because of that, it's become maybe a bit fluffy around the edges. So it is underrated because it just seems this kind of nice thing that people want to do. But actually, proper collaboration, really working together is like... It's still hard work, isn't it? Still hard work, but it's the only way, it's the best way to work. It's the most impactful way to work. Yeah, it's hugely underrated. You'd got a really interesting take on it because collaboration isn't just about two people coming together and doing a little pretty project together. Your idea of collaboration really is saying, well, you can be your own business there. You can be your own business there. You can be your own business there. You can do what you're an expert in. But if we all come together as experts in these different fields, then, you know, we can create an atomic bomb. Yeah, absolutely. The whole point of a uh, collaboration and, and working in partnership is that what you create together is more than the sum of its individual parts. And there's this abundance that comes from that. And whether that's in output or innovation or uh, wherever it may be, the idea is that there's a real value in, in coming together and doing something unique that you otherwise wouldn't have done. And I think that piece around everyone still being able to do what they do is a really important one because... There are times where there's going to be crossovers. One of your partners in a collaboration, you might be in competition with them another time for a specific bit of work, right? But it's very rare that's going to happen. And it's about kind of being grown up enough to go, 
all right, you know what? In some instances, we might be seen as competition, but actually there's more than enough for everyone out there. There is. And people buy from people. And so it's being grown up enough to go, even when we are in competition occasionally, if we put our big boy pants on and kind of just accept that, then the opportunity that comes from the collaboration is far greater than this little bit of occasional times where we might be in competition. And I think that shift in mindset, I've heard people use, there's no competition, only collaboration. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's a bit too fluffy. It's a bit too wishful thinking. It's about just being grown up enough to go, well, yeah, even when we are sometimes in competition, the, the potential for collaboration is so much greater that, yeah, yeah, let's not discount it. The key word there is, it's a force. It's uh, like a superpower, isn't it? You know, you can have your big boy's pants on, and girls' pants. Yeah, it was a yeah metaphorical. <laughs> Let's get Bridget back in. It's still an icon for us. But, you know, if you've got those over the top of your trousers and go, look, you know, I've got my hand up, I've got my big panties on, that also makes you a target, doesn't it? An attractive target to work with. Yes, absolutely. The law of attraction piece of kind of you get of, of getting back what you put out there, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely is that. And... The more you do in this space and the more you actively promote it, yeah, people are absolutely drawn to you, either because they're drawn to wanting to work in that way or they see the power of what you're creating and the networks you're building. And the opportunism is kind of really strongly linked to working collaboratively. And that's both being able to spot an opportunity, your own opportunities, but being able to spot opportunities for others as well and helping other people collaborate, even when you're not directly involved. And the more you do that, the more opportunity you see, the more opportunity presents itself because you're working in that space of connecting and collaborating. And as I said, whether that's directly for your own benefit or not, where you can see that opportunity to connect others up, it just, yeah, you just start attracting more and more opportunity and to work with, and the opportunity to work with great people and on great projects. And it just gets more and more exciting. The danger- There's danger. There's the, danger in Dave's world. Of the, there is. So this tattoo here on my arm is, uh, is it actually says dangerous. Uh, my, my, my nickname was Dangerous Dave when I was a kid. But <laughs> the of opportunism is when you just can't, you just see it everywhere. I have a big thing on my office wall saying, just say no. And it's just to remind me, you can't say yes to everything. Otherwise you kind of, you just become a bit of a busy fool. Yeah. But there's like this, this switch that can click sometimes where you go, well, why isn't these people could do this together and I could do this a little bit here. And it's a wonderful place to be, but it comes with its own, uh, it comes with its own challenges sometimes. How do you keep those creative juices working smart? What are your tips for that? Oh, okay. So this is very much still a work in progress for me as an individual, and I'm sure it always will be. So A, it's reminding yourself. So one of those people like me who kind of wants to uh, wants to do everything and, and maybe has the occasional work of people-pleasing tendencies in them all the time, then it's A, having something to physically remind yourself, like my big thing on my, <laughs> my office wall. But also it's about really evaluating each opportunity. And that's around the commercial aspects of that opportunity and being really honest about that the commercial opportunity compared to the time that's going to take to put in it's looking at the, the actual physical time of it it's looking at what the impact of that kind of that piece could be it is looking at the potential but being realistic about that and fundamental i think particularly when you're really busy is the commercial piece but also the fun 
piece, are you going to enjoy it? I say a lot, if you're not enjoying it, you're not doing it right. Life's too short to be doing stuff that we don't enjoy. And particularly when you're working in partnership with people, there's a piece around every now and again, you might work in partnership or collaboration with someone where the people or the organization that you're working with, they're not your favorite, right? And, and it's not the most enjoyable, but the commercial aspects, whatever they may be, stack up so much that you do it because it en enables you to do loads of other fun stuff you enjoy, right? But at its core, life is too short to be doing stuff that you don't enjoy with people that you don't enjoy doing it with. Yes, there's a very clear trade-off of, right, if I'm doing this thing here, yeah, the benefits that come back just are, are so great that it enables me to really kind of do more and more of the stuff that I really love with the people I love, then for me, that's a huge factor in my collaboration decisions. I think that links in, Wendy, with the values piece. And there's lots of different ways that people describe what values are, but whether, how many of you do that, that whole morals and values and ethical piece around people's behaviors and stuff like that, it's that extra step on from that of, is there a match in what we're doing and what we're looking to do? And will I enjoy that piece? And that's, that's a crucial one. But the other more practical aspects have to come in because otherwise you say yes to every nice person that you meet and want to do something cool with. And I have definitely fallen into that trap before. There's nothing wrong with going, you know what, should we just stay in touch until something comes up? And sometimes it will and sometimes it won't. Do you have those questions? Do you, you just kind of have those observations of yourself? You know, it's kind of like when we first met and I just went, oh, I'd love to chat with Dave on the show. For me, it was waiting and knowing that the wait would feel like no time at all, yet it's been absolutely ages, hasn't it, Dave? It has. Life, life has been pretty crazy, though. So it's mostly on my fault, so apologies. No, 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 it's, it's all good. You almost set that intention to yourself is that I would love. So I would love for that, you know, and by sort of doing that, you're setting yourself up to not let anybody take it away from you, even though it's not yours yet. Yeah. And I suppose it's, it's similar to, I'm kind of linking it to kind of partnerships and collaborations. It's like, it's similar to the thing like in sales, where if you go out looking for sales and people have that, and smell that desperation piece, then people aren't attracted to that. And it's a similar thing that I think with collaborations and partnerships is if you meet someone and you know that something's going to happen at some point, it's been different with me and you on this. It was going to happen. There was a very easy, well, this would be a really cool podcast to do. The conversation is going to be fun and it's going to be great. And who knows where it goes? It's just a matter of timing. But in a more commercial sense, in a business aspect, you can be introduced to another brand where it's like, well, there's something here. There's something that can be done here. But if you push it too hard and it's not the right opportunity to work with them and it doesn't work out, well, then potentially you've lost the opportunity to do the thing that's really what that relationship was meant for if you'd have just waited down the line. I saw a membership organization and we used to partner with one of the biggest small business shows out there, the business show. But it was a fairly low level partnership. And there were other networks that did a little bit, had, did things on a bigger scale. And we kind of, we were always the ones that helped out. We did extra bits. We were like, we, but we couldn't like, well, how can we really make this big? And then our business model shifted to one where we provided benefits en masse to other organizations for their customers. And as soon as that happened, because we just, kept that relationship there, ticking over, being nice for like five, six, seven years that I was involved in. It was, and it predated me slightly. We suddenly had a client with an audience reach of 200,000 people in this new business. And it, it just, 
gave us this huge lift in a new business because the relationship was there. We never pushed overly hard because we couldn't quite see where it was. And then our business evolved, which meant, oh, the relationship was just there, ready and waiting. It was perfect. And it absolutely was a game changer because the size of the audience that they brought added huge credibility to our business and enabled us to go on and get other great deals, both with benefit providers and customers. And it all came from just going, oh, you know what? This relationship's here, but we're not going to push too hard. We know something's going to come from it. And when it did, it was just like that. It was an overnight success in six years, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's it. It is. <laughs> It's the bamboo thing, isn't it? Of like, it, it, it takes like however long before it pokes out of the ground and then it's co-rocket. And, and it was exactly that. For me, commercially, you know, I love doing the podcast and I class this as my marketing. But actually, I'm having a great time speaking to loads of really interesting people and hoping I'm asking the kind of questions that people want to ask you. So if anybody was to sort of threaten to take that away from me, I'd be like, no, I would do everything in my power to make sure that that remained. And I think that's important. When you say you've got fun elements of your business, you can clearly have fun doing certain things, certain activities. Where did Collaboration Junkie come from? What was it that made you go, that's what I do? <laughs> so it's an interesting one. It came from not having fun, believe it or not. So, uh... Hooray! I was running a business that was doing well enough and completely with partnerships at its core, but I just wasn't enjoying doing it. It had become very process driven. I wasn't speaking to many people. There wasn't, it wasn't community led. I didn't feel I was delivering much personal value. It was very process driven. And this was end of 2019. I was like, no, I need to, something's not right here. I'm really not enjoying doing what I do. And decided I need to offer more personal value. And I looked at kind of what I knew. And it was partnerships. So I was like, you know what? Everything I've done has been built around collaboration and partnerships. The membership organization we had grew to a couple of thousand members almost entirely through either strategic partners or referrals. So I built a business that way. And then the business I was running, the, the benefit business, we worked in partnership with a load of different benefit providers to provide them leads. So had all this experience on being the other side of a more lead generation focused partnership. And I'd seen some good, but I'd say much, much, much more bad. And I was like, there's just all this information here in my head. Like, this is the thing I'm going to get out and speak on because I'm passionate about it. And I know it would add value. I know it would add value to people. And so that was the start of 2020. I think I put something on LinkedIn about, right, I'm doing this. I'm going to write a book. and This is what I'm going to do. Uh, with the attention being of the business that I wasn't particularly enjoying ticking along and then COVID came and that business got wiped out by COVID and it really made me focus all on doing what I do now. But at its core, it came from, yes, it came from a knowledge of um, lived experience of partnerships, but it came from a place of not enjoying what I was doing and wanting to put that fun back in my life and also get other people excited about partnerships because it's a great, it's a really fun way of collaborative working. It's a really fun way of working. And I focus on lead gen at the moment is probably is where I focus more of my time because A, people can put an ROI on lead gen, which people like, but also that thing about having fun for a lot of business owners, lead generation is the bit in that business they don't like. Yes. Tell me about it. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, 
absolutely resonates with your business, Wendy. <laughs> they don't like they like selling, right? Because selling is when someone's interested in what you're doing. Like, so if you could, but it's that lead generation piece of getting people to have good conversations with people who are actually interested in what you do. People typically don't enjoy that, and so partnerships is an awesome way of using trusted third parties where there's a clear match in values and congruence in what you do to get your leads in that way where they they're almost the pre-sold to an extent that helps other people enjoy their business for i genuinely believe that if you could take a bit of your business that you don't like and then do something that means you do enjoy that more well then that's great because i've enjoyed helping you do that and you're going to enjoy your business more and i get a nice warm tick in the box in the fuzzy glow area so uh yeah We'll not go into where your glow area is. But oh, well, for, the for, the benefit, for the benefit of the audio, Dave's got to be it. That must be his fuzzy area. You set an intention of what you wanted to do more of. And then really, although COVID has hit us all and it's hit us all hard and it's been a challenge and we've all had our own lifeboats, haven't we, to paddle, it was actually the perfect excuse to go, well, I've got this intention over here that I haven't had time to do. So let's channel everything into that and have some fun. And also, when you're an owner-managed business, you know, like we are, isn't it more fun to have great people running other businesses that you can hook up with that understand the fundamentals of being an owner-managed business in as much as you're on your own, essentially? which unless you tell yourself jokes to try and cheer yourself up and have some fun, can be hard work, can't it, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where there's all these kind of side benefits that come from working collaboratively as well, whether it's lead gen or service enhancement or whatever your reason for partnering, there'll be the specific reason, but then there is all this stuff around the edge. Great byproducts. They're great byproducts, yeah. And this is collaborating in a sense as well but around why it's so important to be a part of a network, a community of some sort when you're an owner-managed business. And whether that's with your partners or collaborators or whether you it's a properly organised kind of community or network, like just knowing that you've got people that you can talk to about the good stuff and the bad stuff kind of thing, it's yeah, vitally important. And yeah, and that can come from collaborations. Absolutely, yeah. It's an absolutely joyous byproduct to, to kind of make sure that you've got those people that just get it. Yeah. I, my wife's wonderfully supportive of all that I do, but she's been a nurse since she left school kind of thing. So she doesn't get it in the same way that another business only gets it when you have a big, a great big brilliant win kind of thing or whatever. But equally, your wife has had to continue and applaud her for continuing through some troubling times. Oh, unbelievably so. She was an absolute superhuman. It always is, but um, yeah, yeah, she did the full works during COVID. But yeah, yeah, very inspirational and empowering to see. So, yeah. So Dave, tell me what your collaborations look like today. Who are you helping and how? You've sort of touched on lead gen. What sort of collaborations have you got going now and that you potentially want to have going? So I see collaboration in everything. Whether there is, I have collaborations with fellow business owners where it's just about that support piece that we mentioned. I'm lucky to know I've had people who refer me fairly consistently, which is brilliant. So you're doing good stuff. And I have people that I collaborate with to refer out. Collaborations that I'm involved mostly now are actually, it's more around helping other people really get their collaborations sorted, if you see what I mean, when they think 
the value that I think that I bring to people most is helping them understand how they can take this lovely idea of a thing and then actually go, well, now how do I practically, how, what, what are the practical steps I can do so that it's not just nice conversations with people I like, it's nice conversations with people I like that actually lead to a successful strategy that gets me somewhere. And that's typically, I'm typically doing that with, not exclusively, but typically with service businesses. And then typically they're looking for the next stage of growth, but they want to use their credibility. They want to leverage their credibility rather than doing the hassle and the hustle piece of lead gen. And so it's just about helping people understand that there is a process you can go through. So all those processes that you hated (laughs) are still valuable, aren't they though, Dave? I'm not a process person in terms of, it's not my, they're not my favorite things in the world, but they're essential because what they do is they give you the framework to go and have fun. If everyone knows what they're doing and when they're supposed to be doing it, well, great, we'll have a load of fun with that. But if you don't have the structures in place, well, then it might be fun for a while, but it won't actually end up going anywhere. That that fun has a, will have a limited lifespan because at the end of the day, there has to be an outcome otherwise. Yeah, those roots won't keep it grounded for very long, will it? It'll all go over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's around, yeah, it's about guiding people through that because none of it's rocket science. And I struggled with this for a little while when I first started out on this journey that that none of it was rocket science. Well, surely that's all just common sense, but it's not common sense, it's experience. It's common sense to me because I've done, and actually I really like the fact that everything I talk about is common sense because it means anyone can go and implement it. There's no big new theories people have got to wrap your head around. It's, well, no, just doing these simple things do and doing well. There's a strange thing about common sense, isn't there, that more people should have it. But essentially, and this is, I think, what's key, is that we can all have common sense when we're judging something else. But when it comes to internalising that, we're emotional. So how can we have common sense over something that we're actually invested in? Yeah. So having somebody else to talk it through with is absolutely fundamental. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I say that, and, and I had that said back to me, that when I'm working with people, kind of a lot, I've said at the outset, a lot of this, for a big chunk of what I do, I'm there to help them find the answers rather than me going, and don't get me wrong, there's some bits I do, particularly around how you communicate with your partners ongoing and the support you provide them, where it's like, this is best practice, and which bits of this best practice are right for your business and how do we kind of mould those and, and, and shape those. But the bits around the edge, around who you're going to partner with and why and all those pieces, I can't tell a business owner kind of those answers. They, they have to figure it out themselves. And you're right, it's just giving people the space and asking the right questions to, yeah. to, for them to find out for themselves. Um, so would, would you say then that you can signpost people to good collaborations with each other, but ultimately it's going to be down to whether those two parties get on, whether they hit it off. It's not always a done deal, is it, Dave? Yeah, no, absolutely not. It's harder work than people sometimes make out. I will never pretend that partnerships are easy. But when you get them right, they are pretty easy ongoing, but it takes effort and it takes work. And there's the stuff that you do in terms of the process you set up and the communications you set up and all the stuff that you do internally in your business to make yourself partner ready. Because once you've shaken hands on a partnership, that's just the very first piece. If you just then leave it and expect things to happen, it won't. So make sure that you're doing all you can to make that work. But getting to that handshake point, there's a lot to go into it to find a really ideal partner. 
right? And and it's not saying that you don't partner with other people that fit outside of that ideal partner piece, but if you really understand what an ideal partner looks like for you, and that's around really understanding why you want to partner with someone, if you really understand what that who that person looks like, then yeah, it, it comes down to, and, and that'll be multiple factors, it'll be who they are as a person that we mentioned on, what their values and how they represent themselves are in a business sense, kind of the, the matching in audience and congruent. Yeah, there's a lot to go into it. But when you do take the time to really think about what an ideal partner for you looks like, what an ideal collaborator and collaboration looks like, once you've got that in your head, you'll start spotting them easier. It's like when you get a new car and you've signed the dotted line and you're getting a green mini or whatever. And then you suddenly see green minis on the road everywhere where you never really noticed them before. And it's a similar thing. Once you know in your mind what an ideal partner looks like, well, then you'll find them easier. That's the way it works, I suppose. But it is a bit of extra work. Your communication's a lot clearer as well, isn't it? Because you're not just through the fog going, well, I could do with a partner, but not quite sure what I'm going to offer or what I need them to really give me. So sometimes it's about understanding what you don't want first, because then you, it's much easier to see what's left. And I think it's also, it's about being clear on the main reason for a partnership, actually. And you touched on a really good point there. I'm not really sure what I want them to bring. Very rare is there a partner where they're the ideal partner to do multiple things at once. And so it's just being really clear on that. So I asked a lot about cross-referral relationships. So lots of people set up partnerships on the world. Well, I'll give you leads and you give me some leads and we'll introduce each other and that'll be wonderful and lovely. And I know some instances where that works really well. So I'm not in any way preparing them. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, if you're in partnership with someone and they're providing you leads, that if you can refer back to them, you should do. I'm not saying you should at all. Yeah. But it's very rare that the ideal person for giving you leads is going to be the same as them being the ideal person for you to pass leads to. And so there's a danger that you get an imbalance in that relationship and people can feel a little bit of resentment and things. And so if you want to find someone to pass work to, well, that's probably a different person than the person that's going to pass you in, in terms of equal quantities. And so I think having that, uh, while still being open to the opportunity of other stuff, but going though at its core, this is why we work with these people. And then keep that in your mind at the forefront. And then all the other stuff around the edge absolutely should and could happen. But just when you're at the start of that journey, have a real clear focus around what the collaboration is there for at its, at its purpose. We're going to carry on that conversation in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about my Power Up programme. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block program. Just book a chinwag, let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. I do hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And here's the Wendy Wu tip this week. And like everything, they're designed to be in alignment with the guest. So I'm a telemarketing trainer and you would come to me to help you pick up the phone and talk to strangers. 
And a great collaboration partner for me would be somebody who is in marketing, say email strategy. So when you've started those conversations and you've gathered that data that you want to be able to keep in contact. So it's about thinking about the sorts of collaborations that you can make in your business. I've given you one of my examples. I'd love to hear from you about others in your business. So it's about creating a defining moment then, isn't it, Dave? Which leads us quite nicely into me asking you about your defining conversation. I've been thinking about this and I thought I knew what it's going to be and I've undenied and I've undenied and it's gone back. I'm going to go business rather than personal life just because of the nature of podcast. You can do whatever you like, Dave. This is your moment. And so the, I, the defining conversation with me, for me, that I think really set me on this path and it linked into collaboration and partnerships actually was one with an old business partner who I was working with for a while, actually, and we had a great relationship and then a fractious relationship, but at the same time, always great. It was a conversation around them stepping away from the business that we were running together. And the reason for that being defining was because I fell into being a business owner. It wasn't by design. I fell into being, in in hindsight, I'd always been entrepreneurial, but I didn't see myself as that at all. And I fell into it. And actually the defining conversation around going, no, this isn't right. And understanding the value that I was bringing in and he wasn't, and it was the business at the time wasn't right for him either. But actually having that conversation with someone that I'd originally gone to work for to then go, well, actually things have evolved and I think you should step away and put me on the path to where I am now. Yes, it got me solo running a business that I ended up not enjoying, but it still put me on the path to where I was now, which is running a business absolutely of my own design that I'm wildly passionate about. That's offering huge value to people. My business partner at the time he's gone on and doing is doing amazing, great things. I know he's um, loving life more than he was in what we were doing. And so I suppose there's many conversations I could have picked because I have lots of conversations with lots of people. (laughs) But in terms of the thing that set me on the journey to where I am now with the confidence in myself, there was a convoluted path along the way, but it probably started with that conversation in a coffee shop in Royal Wharton Bassett. It was a tricky one, but a necessary one and has put me, ended up with me chatting to you now. So, uh, yeah. And do you think that all those lessons that you learned about that what you were doing together and then being faced with a doing it on your own, it kind of gives you working from the ground, if you like, that you take what you're faced with and you make it work. Yeah, absolutely. At that point, it doesn't really matter if it's the business that you ever want to have. It's just that proving to yourself that you can do it on your own and make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And so things like when COVID hit and wiped out 95% of the revenue in a six-figure business pretty quickly, it was, yeah, 
squeaky bum time a little bit with <laughs> but there would have been other people in worse positions than me and you kind of go right it is what it is where am I going where am I going now well where, where we're going now is that we know all of Dave's fuzzy bits and uh, squeaky bits <laughs> <laughs> when people say to me Wendy people are so open and honest with you <laughs> there's proof yeah <laughs> Oh, Dave, it's such fun talking to you. And I can certainly see a synergy in, in your path to mine, you know, because effectively we're doing the same thing as we've always done, which is help people at the end of the day, being able to see opportunities and to connect people. That's our master gift, isn't it? And we've essentially started new businesses, but we're just doing it the same. Well it's done, you. Likewise, <laughs> and you. And you. It's an absolute blast. Dave, I know we're going to put all the stuff in the show notes. Where's the best place for people to find you hanging out on social? LinkedIn is the best place. Best place for me, Dave Plunkett, Collaboration Junkie on LinkedIn. Most of my musings on partnerships and how to make the most of them. So, And of course, the clue will be that we're connected. So when you see a mutual connection with Wendy Harris, you know you found the right person. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Are you now thinking about collaboration through a fresh set of eyes, through Dave's eyes, where everybody can win from collaborating? I know certainly I am. And it's helped me to reset the agenda when it comes to those approaches for collaboration or when I want to reach out in partnership with somebody else. So I do hope that if you are struggling in this area, that this conversation has really helped to support you. Reach out and carry on the conversation with myself or with Dave. He has put together some guest resources for you that will pop on the website, which, as you know, you lovely listeners, is makingconversationscount.com and head over to the guest resources page. He's even written you a lovely letter to listeners. Until next time, where we're going to be talking about how to keep up, we have the lovely Alistair Frost. You don't have to be a futurist, you don't need a crystal ball, but you could be looking around and be more curious about the possibilities that exist today than many of us are. (laughs)